So we have a lot to cover this morning. Uh, I'm very excited about this, this message. It's about peace and hope and getting through suffering and, and really understanding what the love of God is, is all about. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll start before we bow our heads. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Someone in the back will, will hand one out to you. And we'll be using also this, these sermon notes in your bulletin. So it's a matter of you going from here to a pen or pencil and writing the thoughts that the Holy Spirit just kind of guides you and leads you throughout this time. Lord, just thank you for your blessed word. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is here working in each one of us. Whatever sort of issues or problems or the realities of life, the things that we are involved in, it's all here. We give it to you. We know you're going to take care of it because you're sovereign and you reign. And we know that through your pain, it's an incredible gain for us as we live upon this earth and hope in your presence in our lives every day and also hope for that future incredible life in front of us for eternity. Lord, it's, it's more of you, less of me. Help us just to, to really understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us individually, situationally today. May you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. We read the verses on the screen when we were in worship. Romans chapter 4, last verse, 25, and Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. That's where we'll be today. And I, I want to say that this message will be one where you can, re, you can rejoice. It, it's one of freedom. The new covenant has come. It has arrived with the death of Jesus on the cross. And so what that means is that we, we are reconciled people. We're new people with new strength, new peace, new confidence. And we have a new way of understanding God's love. All from the death of Christ on the cross. But yet I, I know and you know that there, there's... Lots of days where we make mistakes, we fall flat on our face, we suffer pain, we go through trials, tribulations, as the Bible says, life is hard. And sometimes the realities of life just suck the air out of our lungs. But I want to assure you that, that if you're a believer in Christ, you can face anything, everything, with greater strength, greater confidence, greater hope, greater gratefulness than the scrappy bones that the world will throw our way. It's an amazing life being a Christian. I would not trade it for anything else. But I've been through pain. I know that you have. And we're going to learn more about that. But this beginning piece has to do with us fighting with God. Quit fighting with him. Quit negotiating with him. Quit warring in your mind that you've got this sort of built-in scale. We all do it. We've got this whole good deed thing going on, and we've got this sort of bad deed thing going on. And we sort of scale it out, don't we? Even as Christians, we scale it out. 
I mean, God did not call us to be this weight and measures professional day in and day out and trying to figure out how many good things do I have to do to outweigh the bad? He hasn't called us to do that. And, what, and what's so, so crazy is that not only is this a tiring venture, but we silently despair, wishing that we will just squeak through the gates of heaven and we still live this life of uncertainty. And we never know what the, what the rested life looks like, what the abundant life looks like, what the joyous life looks like what the free life looks like that Jesus promises us in Matthew 11 and John 8 and 10. From birth to death, we make millions of choices. I mean, every day we're making good and bad decisions, often declaring our character. But the unsettled conflict marches on. That's actually the first piece in your, in your sermon notes, the unsettled conflict. We try to reason. We try to spiritually work it out with, with God. We spiritually guess. We do our best to keep the Ten Commandments. We're good people. We say over and over, I'm a good person. I know it. But the point is, is that we are trying to convince ourselves that God convince ourselves to God, who is the judge, that he will reconsider and throw us a mulligan. It's a golf term, Brad. He will throw us a mulligan when the gravediggers throw dirt on our coffin. So we feel compelled to do good things for people. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's a huge blessing in that. But what are your intentions? And what really motivates you to do what you do? So am I doing something good for somebody because I'm doing it out of guilt? Been there. I'm doing good for someone because God will like me more today. Or I'm feeling guilty because I have been so bad I better do something good for somebody. Or I'm going to do something good for someone because I want to prove to the non-believing world that I'm just as good as they are. And I don't know if you fit in those little four categories, but I've been in every single one. And what we're trying to do through all this is that we're trying to establish our righteousness to God. We're trying to prove our worth. That is a tiring process. It should, it it weighs heavy on our minds. God says, none of it works. Stop it. It doesn't work in his economy. It does not work. Even if it was a good deed, and there's nothing wrong with doing good deeds. I don't want you to get the impression we're all going to be bad people, not doing good things. The good deed blesses people. The person who receives that good that good deed from you is blessed. And God bless you for doing that. But if you think that you're going to throw that on the good deed pile, forget it. It it doesn't work that way. God is not some big God with a huge HP calculator going plus, minus, plus, minus, plus, minus, plus, minus. 
Let's see. At the end of the day, nah, not going to work. How many good deeds do you have to do to make the cut? Well, we all do it. I mean, really, think about it. We do it. Some of you may not. But I know a lot of us sometimes get trapped in this crazy thinking that we are continually trying to prove ourselves worthy to God. Now, just one sin puts us into the guilty community. We're all born into sin. Sin is universal. And one temptation seed that germinates itself into sin infects you for eternity. Paul says in Romans 3.23 that, that we all have sinned. People in Russia, people in Mexico, people in China, the whole world has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. But the encouragement is that only Christ is and has the answer. Bob George, the radio show host and the author of Classic Christianity, tells us that Jesus changes everything in our lives. John Newton, the famous slave trader of old, horrific things in his his endeavors back in the day, wrote the words to Amazing Grace, says, I am not what I hope to be. I am not what I should be. But praise God, I am not what I was. Thank you, Lord. That we are new new creatures. We are a new creation. The old things have passed away. New things have come. Paul tells us that we can forgive a life behind. We are reminded that we are to look forward to what, what, what is ahead of us. All in the grace and the love of God. I don't think he needs it. And we inherit as believers all the spiritual blessings okay, from above. The scripture today in Romans is the great love affirmation. The book of Romans, the letter of Romans, was written by the Apostle Paul to Jewish and pagan converts to Christ. It's a very deep theological work. And what he tells us in this book, start to finish, that the evidence of God's love should stop us from being religious, ridiculously religious, and that we would labor for unsatisfied wages for our salvation, and that we would be at peace with God, and we would rejoice in hope, and even in our pain, that Christ is the one that inspires us, not ourselves, not others. According to J.B. Phillips, the theme in Romans is about God's salvation. In Romans 4, Paul tells us this message about faith being the master key that unlocks the truth. through the work of Jesus on the cross. Nothing more added to that than we might add to that. Nothing less. It's not your biased scale you use on a daily basis. 
It's not your edited rule book or your playbook. It's not wishing that you were somewhere else, that you're right before God. It's not a priest declaring you worthy. And it's not about comparing yourself to anybody else, that you're more, you're, you're just more spiritual or better or more righteous than that person. Again, that is tiring work. And it's very labor-intensive. We see in Romans 4 that Abraham was our poster example of belief. And his belief bringing him to the righteousness of God. That's all it was. Period. There's no add-ons. There's no addendums. There's no super appendix here. It's, it's a very simple message. And in chapter 5, Paul tells us that faith saves us justifies us and gives us peace in a God of grace and whom we have a personal relationship, a family relationship, a close relationship, an accepting relationship, a secure relationship, a significant relationship. Romans 4.25 that we read on the screen is the meat and potatoes of this message. And what that is, is that Jesus is the substance, the core substance, and our justification comes from His painful work for us. The word justification, we write this down. What does it mean? It's kind of one of those crazy Christian words that we don't use often. But it has a lot of significance that it should mean a lot to you. The word justified is a legal term. And it indicates it's a judicial act by God where He pardons the sin, past, present, future, for the people worldwide, he pardons all the sin for those who believe in Christ. I've shared with you that sin is universal. So why the pardon? The pardon comes because there's a guilty verdict for all of us. We're declared guilty. There's a penalty to pay, and it's death. Stop there. That's horrible. Seriously? Death? I'm guilty? What's up with that? Isn't there a way out? Yes. God provides the way. And he says that there's this incredible, unconditional love that Christ took all the sin of the world in his body on the cross that we would die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, we have been healed. So all the Old Testament law stuff, folks, really, all the Old Testament law stuff, all the rules that we kind of made up in our mind, precepts, commandments, there's no way to get it done correctly. <coughs> and it's all satisfied, done, D-O-N-E, in Christ. No way
today and for all eternity. The work on the cross is the greatest demonstration of God's love for us. Paul says that we are accepted by our faith in Christ. Romans 6.11 tells us that we are no longer dead to sin, but we're, we're alive to God in Christ. So what's all this mean? What are the benefits of this faith and justification? Paul just rolls this, this whole sort of list out in terms of the benefits and the results of our faith and justification. And you can see there on your outline, there's some things you can write down in terms of what those benefits are. <coughs> so let's start with verse 1. 5-1, we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Write down peace. Peace with God. What does that mean? There's no more uncertainty. There's no more anxiousness about salvation. You have been justified by faith, which brings peace with God. Transformed from being an enemy of God to a friend. Now how cool is that? No hard labor to prove yourself to meet all of God's commands. The sacrifice of Jesus set us right with God. Now, how does that work in our day? This is like very kind of theological. You're thinking, well, all right, I get it. How does that work in my life? What's the application? Let me just take a, a segment of your life. Most of us go to work every day. Some don't, some are retired. You're still working. You're still interacting with people. Let's just say you wake up in the morning, you eat your pop tarts, you eat your own meal, you head to work, you walk in the doors, and you've got this incredible peace with God. No longer do I have to worry about whether what I'm doing is good or bad and, and put that on the scale. We come home from work on God and say, how what? Was I a good boy today? Or not? It's sort of, seriously, it's sort of like a Santa list. The good or, or not the people, we, we keep this list. You don't have to do that anymore at your work. And you don't have to worry about what people think about you anymore because you are secure and you're at peace <laughs> in Christ. You have passion. You realize that your work is now worship. And you can minister to the Lord, honoring with excellence in your work to Him. How, how incredible is that? That's how the peace with God works. You don't have to sweat this out anymore. Throw the scale away. Christ has done it for you. Number two, verse two. We read about access to God's grace. And I believe your, your outline said God's gracious favor. We have eternity's pass. A pass. A free pass. And it costs a lot of blood to obtain that pass. We have God's gracious favor in all things. And we also know, we also know that Christ has been triumphant in all things for God's coming glory. He says, welcome to the family. Come on in. You're welcome. I don't care how you look. I don't care how you dress. I don't care how you think. I, don't, I just, I want you in the family. Why? Because you've accepted what Christ has done for you. That gives you the free pass for now, enjoying the blessings, and into the future. No more veil, no more separation. God's grace now becomes the filter. 
on how you view the world and how you treat people. This is how this applies to you. So let's take it, you're in your neighborhood, you're, you're just hanging out, you're, you're in your community, you're in your church, you're at work, and, and you're going to meet human diversity. You're going to meet human complexity. You're going to meet people who are rude. You're going to meet the people who have like these amazing, these, 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 like unbelievable sins in their life. What does this do to your treatment to them? Now your treatment and your acceptance is grace-driven. <coughs> Paul says, this is the grace that you stand on. And it's the same grace, the unmerited favor that he has shown you that he wants you to show others. Don't you love this message? Gosh, it's powerful stuff. I'm all excited here. Um, He is not a man that he should lie. 
He is God and keeps His promises. So let's go on to verse 3 and 4. Rejoicing in, not of our suffering, but rejoicing in our tribulations. Now, this is a biblical view that you stand away from. You know, it's just sort of let it just soak in.
means that you can have hope with conviction. In the evidence, the testing brings endurance, perseverance. That brings on character building. And that brings on the outcome of hope. And all this, it strengthens our expectation of God's glory. And we can rejoice. I don't think Paul is writing something that he doesn't believe in what God has given revealed to him. I don't know how we handle the suffering piece. And there's a lot of dimensions to this, by the way. But consider John Milton, the great English poet. He became one when he was 43 and went on to write this incredible epic poem called Paradise Lost. Bethany Hamilton gets her arm severed by a shark bite and becomes a world-class surfer. Jason Lester, at 12 years old, is, is in a horrible car accident. He's thrown out the windshield. 21 bones are broken and the list goes on. He can't even move, use his right arm anymore. He becomes a world champ triathlon guy. Triathloner? What do you call him? <laughs> a triathlon? Take you where the grace of God can't keep. 
I love your soul. This is a hope. Last piece. Hope found upon the love of God. Verse 5. This is a connection of God's amazing love poured out into our hearts for all of life. Every crevice, every hurt, every emotion, every reality of life. It's the incredible work of the Holy Spirit. It's not unfounded optimism, but the blessed assurance that we know that God will be with us in the future, that He's with us today. It's grounded on His incredible love. So faith directs, hope inspires. Back up. Faith drives, hope inspires, and, and love directs. One more time. Get this right. Love, our faith drives, hope assures, and love directs. God's love does direct. Paul says the love of Christ controls us. And it gives us a new outlook and a new perspective. God loves us. And he changes everything about us. The way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we behave, the way that we speak. He wants you, us, because he loves us to come to the cross, to come to faith, to come to freedom, and to come to a new hope. And there's a lot of words. No longer do you have to prove your word to God. No longer do you have to stop and sort this anxiousness throughout the day, trying to prove your righteousness to God. No longer do you have to approach the day thinking, I think God likes me today. It's gone. It's over. And what is worthy, as God works through you, it's powerful because He's behind it. And he has satisfied, and he has deepened, and he done it for you. There's no more work that you have to do to earn your righteousness and prove yourself to God. Christ did it for you. Amen? So let God's love live in your life. Through his pain, you will have Any of this resonated with you? Find an elder, talk to them, let them pray with you. If you're just, if you're just you're tired of battling this thing out with God every day, am I going to get in? Am I not? Am I worthy? Aren't I? I've got this all this anxiety. Am I good? Am I bad? Whatever. Talk to an elder. Talk to someone else in the church. Let them pray for you. You will seriously. Thank you for your amazing grace, for your amazing love, for your amazing hope that you give us. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Lord, I, I, I'm at peace. Help me, Holy Spirit, to realize when I start going down the long road and start to all stuff in the basket that doesn't belong there. All I need to know is that you have made me secure by what's 
by what you've done for me. And that's it. It's finished. Christ said it was finished on the cross. It's done. We're not going to rehang you on the cross. We're not going to go through that whole procedure of things that we just often think about. But it's so simple. We are justified by faith and we have peace with God.